There are some mysteries that I do not get tired of talking about, and the case of D.B. Cooper is one of them. Now, that's a mystery that has endured for more than 50 years, and every once in a while, someone comes along who believes that they've uncovered new information or that they've even solved it. So do we now know who actually hijacked that plane from Portland to Seattle in 1971 and then parachuted over Washington and disappeared? So many people have theories. Our next guest has one too. It's Eric Ullis, author of Silver Bullet, The Undoing of D.B. Cooper. Eric, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. When did you first become fascinated by this case? Um, probably in the late 70s. Uh, I was an aviation buff as a, as a kid, and obviously this was an aviation crime. So I believe I, my interest was initially peaked in the late 70s. But it's really been the last 15 years or so that I've really started to dive into this thing. And uh, uh, the idea being that uh, we'll see if we can figure it out what happened. Okay, so when you say dive into it, how much work does this entail? What have you been doing? <laughs> well, it starts off with reading about 30,000 pages of FBI files. Uh, and that has led to uh, a number of interviews and a lot of research on my part, uh, a lot of boots on the ground efforts as well, and analyzing scientific data and so forth. Uh, so effectively doing what the FBI used to do, uh, they closed the case in 2016. So now it's, it's just up to a few people like myself to see if we can figure out who this guy was and what happened after all is said and done. Why did the FBI close this case? Uh, I think it's a it's a couple of things. Uh, they they didn't have anything new to work with at, by 2016, and there's this very practical part of it, and that is that in all likelihood, DB Cooper was no longer alive by 2016. He would have been you know 90s or, or certainly close to 100 at that point, and they certainly aren't going to you know they're not in the business of prosecuting people that are of that age. And uh, and I think additionally, there were, uh, quite frankly, any kind of prosecution would have been compromised because of some of the evidence and so forth that had been destroyed and, and misplaced over the years. Okay, so what is it that you think you've uncovered? Well, there was a skinny black clip-on tie that D.B. Cooper left on the jet, uh, and it was recovered by the authorities in Reno, Nevada, when the jet landed there ostensibly to refuel to fly down to Mexico uh, 1971, the tie wasn't of much value, but in recent years, it's been of enormous value because uh, we've had the opportunity to explore some of the particles from that tie under a scanning electron microscope, and that's uncovered an array, a healthy array, something around 105,000 particles that appear to be consistent with the aerospace sector, which makes sense because it does appear there was some sort of Boeing connection here. But specifically, there are a few particles on that tie that point to a very specific company, a very specific division within the company, and I would argue actually a very specific one or two people. Okay, so let's, for people who aren't as familiar with this, Eric, now why is it that it's been believed that D.B. Cooper had some kind of association with the aviation industry? The knowledge that he exhibited uh, is, is consistent with somebody familiar with aviation and specifically the Boeing 727 jet that he he jumped from. There were certain things that he requested, flaps set at 15 degrees. He, he apparently knew where the oxygen bottles were located on the jet. Obviously, that took place in, a, in an airliner. So that, you know, I, I think most criminals tend to uh, operate in their wheelhouse, something they're familiar with. So there are a number of things that seem to indicate that he was familiar with the Boeing 727 
the Seattle region at large. Uh, and that is part of the reason why uh, the authorities right out of the gate figure there must be some sort of connection to Boeing. And I concur. I think that's accurate. Okay. What do you think you have found out? Well, uncovering or digging into the scientific evidence, which is how I roll. I'm not into conspiracies and that kind of thing. I like to focus on the facts. And uh, digging into the scientific evidence uh, from the tie, it points uh, to a specialty metals manufacturer based in the Pittsburgh area. It's no longer around, but they were a significant supplier, subcontractor, uh, of Boeing, a big supplier of specialty metals, titanium and stainless steel and other metals used on Boeing's aircraft uh, throughout the 50s, 60s, 70s. Uh, so it does point to a specific company in part because there's a very rare alloy particle, titanium and antimony particle, actually three, that were on the tie that correlate with uh, a couple of U.S. patents uh, that point to the specific company. And this was an alloy that wasn't commercially produced or disseminated. So uh, one has to explain how it is that three particles of this titanium and antimony alloy ended up on D.B. Cooper's tie. Uh, it's reasonable to deduce that D.B. Cooper came from that lab. And uh, that's that explains it. Okay, so what else did you have? You went even deeper than that. That's, uh, well, certainly, yes. And there are there are other particles on the tie. There's a Another particle on the tie that's a stainless steel, uh, actually it's a titanium particle smeared with stainless steel, which appears to be consistent with what's called a cold rolling process, which also took place at the same company called Crucible Steel, called Crucible Steel back then. And uh, through, you know, once I had a company in mind and a specific location in mind, that gave me an opportunity to interview some people who had actually worked in this particular titanium research lab, and including a former supervisor who's still around today, 91 years of age. And uh, I described to him who it is we're looking for in terms of D.B. Cooper, a guy that would have been about 50 years old in 1971, a guy that's about six foot one. And uh, he pointed to a specific person, a gentleman named Vince Peterson, who passed away in 2002, who I've found to be a, an intriguing person of interest. I want to be very clear. I don't know if Vince Peterson was D.B. Cooper. I do, however, believe that a lot of the evidence that has been gleaned over the years points in Mr. Peterson's direction. If it wasn't Mr. Peterson, it was somebody very close to Mr. Peterson. All right. So tell me about some of that evidence that you think points in this direction. Can you sum it up for us? Yeah. At the end of the day, there's the physical metrics. Again, six foot one, about 50 years of age. The titanium research lab only had about eight guys working there. Uh, So you've got a very limited universe of people. And of course, when you look at the totality of the particles on the tie, there's more than just the titanium and antimony. There's salt and other interesting particles on the tie that point to Mr. Peterson's research over the years. So again, just looking at the totality of the scientific evidence, in addition to the metrics, again, the physical metrics, six foot one, 50 years of age, and frankly, just his appearance, I think there's, an, there's an, a resemblance to that initial D.B. Cooper sketch that, again, uh, indicates that this guy may well have been D.B. Cooper. I'm on a quest to figure it out, trying to get access to the D.B. Cooper's tie to see if we can come up with a DNA profile on it. Uh, uh, so, you know, there, there's a lot still going on here, but it's right. definitely intriguing and he's definitely an interesting person of interest. Now, you said he passed away in 2002. What about his, his family? Do they have anything to say about this? 
I have talked and met with his son, and I've also communicated extensively with his daughter. Neither one of them believe their father was D.B. Cooper, which is fair enough. That makes sense. D.B. Cooper got away for a reason, and I think part of it is because he just didn't brag about it. He didn't talk about it. So, uh, <laughs> pardon me. So that said, the uh, the daughter in particular has been very helpful in terms of providing pictures and information and, and so forth. Uh, so using that information, I'm going to continue to uh, to move forward with Mr. Peterson and, and try to ascertain one way or the other, 100%, whether he was D.B. Cooper or he wasn't D.B. Cooper, because at the end of the day, this is a binary choice. He's either 100% D.B. Cooper or he's 100% not D.B. Cooper. Uh, so fortunately, the, the family has been accommodating, so that definitely helps my investigation. Well, I look forward to hearing more about this. Eric, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. That's Eric Gillis. He's the author of Silver Bullet, The Undoing of D.B. Cooper. If you're like me, you are still fascinated by that story. And here is yet another very good potential suspect on that.